score they're going to defend you until the last day in our life in the press conference. But here, I'm going to tell you the truth. Hello everybody, welcome to the Pause Podcast. I am your host, Omar. Today, for the inaugural podcast, it happens to be on the week of the football fan's favourite fixture, City versus Liverpool. And for Sane, chance, goal for Manchester City. Leroy Sane puts them in front of a sensational goal from Sane. Two clubs that have pretty much defined my content for however long I've been putting it out. So I've drawn for one of my favourite Liverpool accounts, one of my favourite people on Twitter, someone who um, you know was really great in a previous podcast episode that I'd heard him on. So I'd like to welcome my friend Sean to the podcast. Hello brother, how are you today? Yeah, hi mate, no I'm good. It's been a while since I've done a podcast to be fair. Yeah, which one was the last one that you did? It was with Samit. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that I listened to. Were you talking about the all-time Premier League eleven? Yeah, and a few questions afterwards, but that was the main like focus for that podcast. That took over the uh, timeline for the evening. It did. <laughs> a lot of Gerard prop. I don't know if there was enough David Silver prop in there. I can't lie. You're probably right, mate. To be honest, you you definitely on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like I'm like a lone wolf on that agenda because. I don't know, man. David Silva's like a really quiet sort of player in it, and like, I don't You're know. Right. He, he doesn't get his he doesn't get his roses. Him and Nat Phillips. <laughs> Two players on a similar level, position for position. But yeah, technically, I think they're, you know, at the top. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, obviously, we know that um, City and Liverpool are playing. Uh, I think on Sunday coming up, which is like a it's a massive fixture. Um, I want to just begin with um, talking a little bit about the results that have just gone by and then we'll move on to City versus Liverpool, if that's cool with you. Yeah, that's good. All right, so City beat Chelsea um, and I think Liverpool drew to Brentford. Like Based on the current fixtures, how do you see the title race panning out? Because a lot of people had Chelsea, you know, top favourites after signing Lukaku on their Champions League run. How do you see it now, uh, given a few games have gone by? To be honest, as it stands, I do think it'll be City-Liverpool. So do I, but I think they're going to call us biased. Yeah, I know, but it's just, objectively, they are still the two best teams. Yeah. It's hard. The thing is with Chelsea, right? And I, I know people, I have said a lot about Chelsea in the past few months. <laughs> but they did start with them saying, oh, Liverpool are washed, Liverpool are finished. Like, you know, it did piss yeah. me off. But, like, Chelsea are really good team and Tuchel is an incredible manager because they just they grind up results a lot I mean in Europe was obviously last season and they've done it this season without any of their players actually turning up or being <laughs> brilliant it's, do you know what I mean it's like Alonso okay he does his job Aspi does his job whatever like combination of tens they play behind Lukaku none of them are ever brilliant but uh, honestly sometimes it seems like I don't know if this is insulting, but sometimes it seems like Alonso is their second best attacker. <laughs> yeah, and he's, he, he's their left back and obviously he's amazing at finding space in the final third. But yeah. if your second best attacker is your left back, uh, I don't know, man. I, I think in the Champions League it's alright because yeah, uh, there's it's like five, six, seven games and you can kind of grind out results. But after 30 or so games in a, in a season, if, if a couple go against you, then... I don't really know how you're gonna. I don't know sustain sustain that over a season. 
Yeah, I think if they did win the Premier League, Lukaku would be PFA winner because you just I don't see how you go 38 games. I mean, obviously they could turn up, but as yeah. it counts, because this is what we're talking about, I don't see how on current performance levels, people like Ziyech, Werner, Havertz, drag a team above City and Liverpool. I just don't see it happen. If it did happen, it would be because of an incredible defensive record and Lukaku just banging in 30 goals. They could prove me wrong, but as we said, with about how it's been so far. And so far, they haven't really turned up, those particular players. I think like when they play, all of the players are really great in, in their individual roles. So you have Rudiger, who, like, I don't know, a season and a half ago, people were calling him to like, leave Chelsea. Same with Jorginho. Who else was it? Christiansen wasn't, you know, rated as highly as he is now. People are putting these people in, like, the best 11 in the world, shouts. I know it's nuts. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, Rudiger, based on his performance, is there. But yeah, I can't put away the side that he plays in this limited role. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like we've been scarred from the past. Like, it's <laughs> going to take a while for me to be convinced Rudiger is genuinely as good as he looks because I can't deny, based on purely the past six months in this back three, he has been incredible. Well, yeah, every performance he's one of the best, and he clamps whoever. He does. He's insane in this particular role. But as we've said, it's like, how do we know? Like, it could all fall apart in one week and he's back to what he was for three years. Yeah, yeah. I still need more time to be convinced. Yeah, obviously, I'll give him his roses week on week. But if we're saying, like, who's the best, I think it depends on more than just a small sample size in a certain system. Yeah, exactly. Like, it needs more time to be proven. Because... Chelsea's team is full of players who they had for quite a few years. And if it's not had for a few years, it's players who underperformed last season, like Werner Havertz, Ziyech. If those players somehow come above City and Liverpool, who've been at such a high level for a few years, then, I mean, Tuchel is, is a genius. That's just, that's just the way I see it. I'm recording externally, and... There's another audio track that I started playing, so I'm going to cut that a bit out. <laughs> um, wait, can I tell you what started playing? It was CFC Mod, because I included a snippet of him in my last episode, and yeah. he just started speaking really loudly in my ears. <laughs> you want to mention that since we're on it? I might just keep most of yeah, this in. Definitely. What, what did you think about um, you know, his subscription-based group chat? Look, the way I see it is right. We can all take the person. Like, I've taken the person as well. But if that's the difference, like he could literally quit his job tomorrow. Like anybody in that position would do the same thing. Yeah. You care about what a rival fan living miles away who you'll never meet actually thinks about you and what you're doing. There's people who will pay it. And he's got subscribers. He only needs like less than 10% of them to pay it. Probably 5%. And he can quit. I did the maths, and basically, if he got 0.5% of his followers to um, sign up to the thing, he'd get 45k a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, that's just mad. So, like, obviously, you know, go ahead. And to be fair, you know, you can say you like about it, but he's probably going to start a trend now. There'll be a few others doing it. Although not that many. Pogba Senior will be next, 100%. <laughs> You know, really in-depth analysis from these. I think the thing that annoyed people was he said, uh, speak to a football expert or whatever, which is like, 
you can get so much better in-depth insight and, and content from so many other people. That was, yeah, that was a very like egotistical thing to say. He didn't have to say that. That's just him trying to formalize the whole thing. Yeah, I think if he just kind of presented it like a kind of Discord sort of community and then, yeah. oh, look, we'll all speak together and do this, then I think, I don't know, people might not have got annoyed, but... <laughs> You're right, it's the football expert, but that's, that, that's just funny to me. Like, to me that's... <laughs> I scroll down his timeline, you know, Pep Guardiola scrolling <laughs> down for tips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, look. Oh, my God. You know, um, I mentioned this before, but there's a lot of like good subscription based things. I'm um, even I'm contemplating going down the subscription based model. When I look at you know Grace on football, there's this account that basically writes, I think two articles a week, and she puts it out for five pound a month. And then there's on City side, uh, Night Three Twenty podcast. Uh, they put out, I think two podcasts a week. The Friday one's free. The other ones have like good guests like Sam Lee or whatever. And then even if there's no guests, they discuss transfers and like it's really high quality. And I think they put theirs out for four pound a month. Yeah. And I think when you're offering a good service like that, it's very I don't know. It, people will pay for it if the quality yeah. is worth it. I mean, to be fair, in your case, I mean, if you've got articles that Bernardo Silva is liking and promoting, oh, so nuts. Yeah, I mean, you're on the you know you're on the, on the right track to do that. I mean, obviously you obviously write high-quality articles, especially if you focus on because, like, I think if you write generic articles, you're less likely to get a guaranteed subscriber base. If you focus on City, then you'll get people who are invested in City. Yeah, or I think if you have a certain style. Yeah, you're right, yeah. Because it, but people, I don't think they're going to subscribe for, like, news roundups, but if you're giving them, like, I don't know, there's, like, some data visualisation people who put out really good, like, their content is so unique that I think people would pay for it. No, you're right. No, they would. I mean, if people look, if people are paying for CFC mod, you know, to laugh at Tottenham, <laughs> laughing emojis in a, in a post about Tottenham, then I'm sure they'd pay for a high quality article. No, to be fair, we were backing up Tuchel. We were slagging off his players. Oh yeah, yeah, we were. How he does it, honestly, like it's just another group of players dropping maximums of seven out of tens every week and they somehow win get it like like like, like give an example right got back i mean this probably won't get in but just between me and you like like first <laughs> every time someone from chelsea is in bad form someone else who is gone out of the wilderness just turns up like like the first game of the season i watching it with my mains a chelsea fan right and alonso and pulisic score right so these are two players that rarely actually score. Alonso does pop up. But like it's like whatever moment they need somebody to do something, somebody will do it. And then come the end of the season, it adds up to like 15 different players have scored four goals. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I think wasn't Jorginho their top scorer last season? Yeah, exactly. Like He's just waiting for this one week where you know everybody's poor and they don't win. There's like someone who hasn't done anything for weeks will just pop up and do something. That's why I'm glad Abraham and Giroud are gone, because that's two less players who were capable of doing it. Yeah, I think Abraham would have been a really good number two. Yeah, definitely. I'm surprised they haven't got a number two at all. Yeah, who would... Wait, if Lukaku's out, who do they have there? That's true. They'll have to put Havertz back in false nine. Oh, and then have, like, Werner Mount. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, they have a system where 
if teams uh, push high against them, then that means they can counter and they have really good transitional threats. But if teams sit back, they have like, um, I don't think they create a lot of good ch- chances, but basically because they have the ball so much and in wide areas with Alonso and James, at least like one or two of them will fall to like Lukaku in a dangerous area. Yeah, like the Zenit game was like a pretty good example of that. They didn't do anything. Yeah, exactly. One ball into Lukaku basically just dunks on his man in the box and is 1-0. Scary player, man. I think that's the reason why I can't rule them out. Yeah, no, the same. Like, you ca- like, they could grind it out all season. I mean, they did it with Conte, they did it with Mourinho in different ways. Yeah. They are the one team that can do it. Yeah, maybe maybe that does play a factor. Like, you know how their fans are used to that sort of defensive style? They won't get um, as annoyed or fed up when it goes a bit left. No, you're right, yeah, because it's, it's had success. I, st- I still think they're easily the third best team, at least. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. And on their day, I mean, they are as good as City and Liverpool in their own way. On one-off games, I'd give you that, yeah. Yeah, I just I don't think it's it's like anti-Chelsea to say that they a lot of their players need to turn up more than they already are, even though they have got comparatively, you know, similar points tallies to Liverpool and City. Like it, like has like it, they can't argue that Havertz needs to turn up more. Mount needs to turn up more. Werner needs to turn up more. Ziyech needs to turn up more. I think, yeah, the 10s, the creators, like the 8s and the 10s, that's where the issue for me is. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, you know, it's it's not biased to say this. I think they do need to turn up. Whereas I think for City and Liverpool, the players are turning up. Yeah, I was going to say, even Mane, who's like supposedly not turning up, is still scoring goals. Yeah, because he's getting in the zones. What a guy. Yeah, no, you can't deny his movement is still brilliant, even if he's lost a yard or so. <laughs> and it's finishing. <laughs> We, we must not speak about that. <laughs> because that doesn't really pop into my head as much as the other stuff because he's never been that clinical. Like, I'll never forget Napoli home a few years ago. That was literally the lead of the week. And that was Mane, like, in his prime or just before his prime. So it's happened, you know, he's, he's always been a bit like that. But it has been a bit over the top, the chances he's missing. Yeah, true. I think as long as he's getting in those positions, I won't call him washed. If he stops getting on the end of chances, then scary stuff. But until then... He's popping up and he's giving goals that are winning the team games. So. Yeah, no, I think that's fair, to be fair. Yeah. All right. Should we um, move on to our two clubs then? Yeah. Happy to do that. All right. So, first of all, how do you think the match will go? Honestly, it's, it's really hard to say. Because it's two different teams to what we usually, like, what we usually see. In terms of, I'm just, like, that Brentford game... It, I was saying after the game, like, I was pretty happy. Not happy, but, like, not concerned. Yeah. But, I don't know, it's just... I need... It's almost like I need to see the game before I think before I know how the game's going to go. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we've had so many games at Anfield. Like, obviously, you battered us last season. Games overran you. And it's just... I, I can't see how the game's... It's like, you played really well at the bridge in the weekend as well. It's so hard to go. like we could. It could be a day where you're a bit off it, and we just press you, and it's typical Anfield game, and we win. Or be a game where you play like you did at the Bridge, keep the ball, suffocate us a bit, and score a couple of goals that Milan did against us when they just broke through the press. Like it's really hard to predict. Yeah, just a couple of things that I've thought watching Liverpool recently. I, I saw a tweet someone posted. I think some stats guy posted, but basically Henderson recently has been losing his jewels like 
way more than he used to. So I think in the last two seasons, it was around like 58, 60% he used to win his draws. Yeah. And then this season, he's won like in the 30s. And it's never dropped below 50 before this season. It's actually, actually worse than that. It's not even it's just the duels. He's not even in position to win duels. Did you see the Trent um, back post goals? And the Milan game, it's just like, you know, like on FIFA when you hold down R1 to call the CPU over, the pr- like the press and get the ball off. Yeah, the second man, yeah. The second man. It's like it's just like someone's holding the R, he's just running all over the place, like just going towards the ball. I don't know what's happened to him because like his, his main role was that ability to cover Trent behind him. Yeah, to recover, yeah. And like, I mean, he's never been like Fabinho positionally. It has been, it has been a bit concerning, especially because it's happened twice in a few weeks, like Milan and Brentford. Like you can forgive it once. But I hope it doesn't become a trend. Because whoever's playing in that position for you, like if it's Foden, or maybe even Gundogan. I think it'll be Grealish on the left, and then Foden or Gundogan running in the space. Yeah, I think whoever is left centre mid as opposed to left wing will benefit the most from him being, like, getting up. That's a good shot, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if Gundo gets in that left half space and bags like... Yeah, cut back or something, because Henderson's halfway at the pitch like he was against Brentford. Sorry, the AC Milan thing and the Brentford thing, there's a lot of similarities in the goals that you've been conceded. Yeah, there is. Like, a lot of it is coming down that same side. In fact, it's all coming down that same side. This seems space. Like, if yesterday, well, not yesterday, in the weekend, it was Trent and Matip. Like, not so much Matip, but, or even Trent. It wasn't really either of their faults. It was just the way Brentford focused on it. But despite that, it's, it was still overloads on that side. Like, all of Milan's build-up was coming on that side as well, and then they got through a couple of times and scored. That's interesting because I, I haven't seen teams do that too much against Liverpool in the past, even though I assume it could have been exploited. But it must have been that Henderson was getting back in time. Yeah, it, yeah. It, or even just teams weren't doing that before. I've, I've never seen a team against, not even just us, in like most football matches where nobody is occupying the middle third of the box or the third closest to the crosser. Like every- such a big overload. Yeah, literally everybody was overloading the back post. It was no because <laughs> I three men on Trent. I can't believe it. VVD and VVD and Matip literally had nobody to mark. That's why VVD switched off. I reckon he was like, yeah, like what's going on? I'm I meant to be clearing this ball against Tony. Like it's almost like autopilot had stopped working. Well, yeah, when the ball comes back in, you wouldn't. There, there was no one around him when the ball got crossed in the first place. So when the header goes back, he doesn't expect another guy to be there, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. It was just, I mean, fair play to Frank because it was brilliant tactical work. Yeah, I was really impressed. I think uh, I saw a tweet from uh, Raj, I think, and he was questioning, he was like, how do you you tackle that? And I think uh, I've seen some good replies. One was talking about how Alisson could maybe be more proactive. Yeah. Uh, And then like, like, I don't understand how you combat it besides getting one of your midfielders to drop in the back line and then either shifting across or you can just have like your wingers would typically track back in it. But Salah's not going to do that and you don't want him to do that anyway. Yeah, exactly. The difficulty is it's okay coming up with a solution to do that if you anticipate that the opposition every week is going to do that every time. If you focus on the tactical sort of tweak that Brentford made and apply it to every team, you're then anticipating that they're always going to do that. What if they did what they used to do and then we sort of play in this new sort of way and we start we stop being good at what we used to be good at? Do you know what I mean? Because you oh, yeah, you, your, your middle third would be empty a little bit. 
Yeah, exactly. And even if, say, for example, you made Salah come back a bit and defend the back post, which, to be honest, is pointless anyway. I mean, what's he going to Yeah, no point. <laughs> He's going to head the ball away from Tony. Yeah, we completely lose our threat going forward. That's one of our main ta- tactics, is leaving him upfield, because he's so good with his back to go as well. Relieve pressure. So, yeah, that's interesting. So, the thing is, though, these things need to happen once for you to learn. Yeah. It's just like the Watford game when, we beat, when they beat us 3-0. Six three one. Oh, that was my my finest Twitter moment. I was telling people, play six three one against Liverpool. <laughs> Nigel Pearson, like he completely cut off the fullbacks, like in a way that no one so had done that season. So, I'm, like, and that's what led us to, I think, signing Thiago, giving like Harvey Elliott his minutes, Jones. I think I think it is an element to it in terms of like, okay, like we have to move on from just fullbacks and then workhorses in midfield. But that's why you need these things to happen. So it's be interesting to see how we respond to it now, after what Brentford did. But luckily, you don't have that. You won't be crossing it like that. So you know. Yeah. I'd be. I'd be. If it were come up against United and they started Ronaldo and people, I'd be like, that's not good. That's not good. But yeah, no. Well, it's hard to call this game on the weekend. Like it really is. There's a um, stat that I saw as well that basically went um, as follows. Basically, City have lost to Liverpool once since 17-18, you know? Yeah, it's actually... It goes under the radar, actually, how well... It's almost like... Because we... I think it's because when we beat you, it's always like in like... Um, in like, like Massive occasion. Yeah, like, yeah, and it's like, you know, f- like three goals flying in 30 minutes and it's like, you know, it becomes memorable at that like Fabinho screamer. That Chamberlain goal... I have nightmares about it. You know, it's it's always seems to be it's because our wins seem to be more memorable in the odds. Although obviously the Sane goal is is a, like one of the best games ever from a tactical point. Oh of yeah, yeah, what a game! But in terms of like you know the Hollywood games, we seem to win. Like you know they'd be on Sky Sports intros all the time and things like that. And also, I think in the last two seasons, the the games have been a bit weird because well, obviously with COVID and no fans, and City kind of running away with the title last year. People don't put any real focus on those games. And then before that, I don't remember the games before that, actually. I think they were really cagey. Right? They are really close. So even if City won or the games were a draw, it was like, like you're saying, it's not too memorable. Yeah, exactly. It's just, you can't call this game because it's dependent on... It's just it's literally dependent on the day. This is why Klopp and Pep have such a... I mean, I'm not, I don't know off the top of my head. But imagine the record's pretty close. And I think Klopp's beaten Pep more than any other manager. Yeah, I think it's Ole and then, in terms of like percentage or whatever, it's Ole and then it's Klopp and then it might be Tuchel after that. Yeah, but in terms of actually like like volume of wins. Yeah, yeah. Pep more than any manager. And Pep beats him. So how do you possibly predict this game? If we, if, if we slack off a bit like we did on the weekend, then you win. But if we if we play like we can at Anfield against you and we, we're clinical and Salah turns up or whatever, Van Dijk turns up, Matip turns up, we could win. So like I don't, it's no way of going. Oh yeah, the game's going to go like this because you, you just don't know. It's impossible to predict. Well, I'll still try to do that on Twitter and, and retweet it if it happens. But if it doesn't, we'll just ignore that. <laughs> I'd probably, to be honest, I've probably already done that. <laughs> I'd, I'd be more scared of coming up against Tony and then Buemo again than City next week. <laughs> react to me after watching that fucking blitzkrieg that they were dropping on a box yeah that was nuts man I, I'm going to go rewatch that game because honestly second half switched I was thinking this is I've, Thomas Frank he's a maverick I don't know what he's doing but this guy's this guy's crazy <laughs> yes 
No, he's, he, I like him. To be fair, I know he's a bit of um, he's a bit. Some of the things he did in the championship, like you know, he, yeah, the championship lot don't like him, but I only know him from the Premier League. Yeah, I, think I remember a few things he did in the championship. I remember he would like he'd hold like you know three fingers up with a zero on his other hand to the crowd saying three 0 before the game, <laughs> like we're going to win three 0 That's kind of wavy. Like. Off rival, and then they would win three 0 So that pisses people. That is so sick. <laughs> yeah, it is. Give me a manager who does that, man. I don't want no no. Courtesy in the uh, press conference. It's a bit like tw- like two thousand and four Mourinho esque, isn't it? Like, well, yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, that's what I was reminded of a little bit. Yeah, even um, the commentator was saying yesterday that he said no guard could come in for uh, for Fabinho and he wouldn't even notice the difference. <laughs> that I mean, is so sick. that's just like that is even more Mourinho because remember, like players would say Mourinho would make them feel like they're the best in the world. So this no guard guy now thinks he's Fabinho level. And you know what? He might have played like that yesterday. Oh well, yeah, and when you watch the games, you see all these players who. Like, if you can get your team to, I don't know, fight for you. I, I know there's a lot of talk about all passion and it's nonsense when you're talking about tactics or whatever, but it's still, it's so significant. I feel like we just, we beat Chelsea, obviously because of the tactics, but the tactics wouldn't work if we weren't counter-pressing with so much, like, yeah intensity, especially because we're playing away. So so things like the crowd obviously would have helped them. And when you're playing away, you need to get that kind of uh, fight and that inspiration from somewhere else. When we see, like... For City, Bernardo Silva making these slide tackles is going to, um, you know, have a knock-on effect for the rest of the team. I remember Ruben Diaz said something like, I was really tired at the end of one of the games and I saw De Bruyne and Gundogan making a sprint from their third all the way to our third. And I thought, if they're doing that, why can't I? And, it, you know, all these things are so important. It's not just about well, playing this shape and if this shape is better than that shape, you'll win the game. Yeah, exactly. No, you're right. This is why these City-Liverpool games are so hard to call because both teams are arguably the best at what they do. So it's like yeah. like the old saying, you know, the, the unstoppable force against the unmovable object. Like, it, it, like it's just, it's all on the day, whatever happens. It's, it's no, like, if anybody says, oh, if we do this, we'll win, they're wrong. Because the other team are easily just as good as what they're good at. So it's just hard to say. It's such a fine margin thing with the Anfield crowd there as well. That's what I was going to say. That's the only added factor that gives us an advantage. Like like an objective advantage is home advantage, so I just yeah. just it's absolutely electric and I think we know pretty quick. I need a KDB screamer, bro. First five minutes, have the crowd silence. Yeah, exactly. Like you need to silence the crowd. It's it's always like first half an hour at Anfield tells you a lot about how the game's gonna go. Yeah, I was literally gonna say the first, well, especially the first fifteen. If you keep Liverpool quiet from that first fifteen, and then you can recycle possession a bit. It's so important. Like if you, <laughs> there's been, so, I think in the first few games of um, City uh, under Pep against Klopp, we used to just get like three goals conceded in the first fifteen at like, every game. Yeah, no, you did, and that's it. Played into our hands because I remember the three 0 in the Champions League, uh, the Chamberlain game. Uh, the second half, we just we were just compact, like we went to like almost like a deep block, and just yeah. legs. I mean, if we'd if we if you'd managed to keep it to nil nil at half time, and then we went into the second half with that level of stamina, you'd you'd have won the game. And I think that I think that was maybe maybe the last time Pep was so naive at Anfield because it was a nineteen game with Mara's Mister Pen, wasn't there, where he was like, it was noticeable. This was maybe the most defensive Pep had ever gone with City. Yeah, just to see. <laughs> First, like sort of sixty minutes, and then Mara's missed. If he hadn't missed, it was a masterclass in Pep. Yeah, that was so. I think we had another chance. I can't remember who it was, but we had we had two big chances that game, but especially the Mara's penalty. 
you know, I always think about, um, you know, the All or Nothing um, City documentary? Yeah. With Pep, and he, I think we're playing Everton, and then the week after we're playing Liverpool, but he's talking to all of his backroom staff, and he's like, that front three scared me. And he's just like, he's so shocked. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, but the other thing that makes me sad about that is he also mentions Chamberlain. And it just makes me oh. think, oh my God, that guy, he was so good in that part of the season. He was literally, he was way to becoming a top player. Like, okay, we did change the way we played after that season, but I'm, I'm still not having that. Like, the guy was, he was so agile on the turn. He could go past two or three in midfield. Now he dribbles like Mendes Lang. Like, he runs in a straight line. He can only do straight lines. But He's like your, your analogue's broken, so you're playing FIFA with arrows. <laughs> yeah. That's You've got the diagonals if you press two of them. D-pad dribbling. Like, yeah, trust. Game. Like, he'd have his back to Fernandinho and he'd just turn him on like a sixpence and he'd be gone. And not only that, yeah. end the dribble in like a 30-mile-an-hour shot, like an accurate shot as well. Like, he was an oh, absolute ass to have. Even Pep mentioned it. There's no way he'd be mentioning him anymore. Even if he was. Yeah. Just shows the decline, but yeah, no, it was a good, it was a good game for us. I hope it goes out on the weekend. Although we won't be getting any screamers from midfield, that's for sure. Well, yeah, midfielders have been scoring recently. They're just conceding a lot too. Yeah, actually, to be fair, Jones scored on the other yesterday, didn't he? But I just want to get your opinion on Jones because I've heard a lot of people cooking him, and I like Curtis Jones. I can't lie. Right, I'm not going to pretend I haven't said stuff because the first thing people are going to say is, "Oh, they're going to pull your feet." Which I have on Twitter, right? But the only reason I do that is because at times, to be fair, right, he has improved. I can't deny that, especially this season. But at times he just feels like more of a pep midfielder than a clock midfielder. I just like he, you know, the game's going so fast and then he gets on the ball and it's just, it sort of slows down a bit. And that's just not how we've won the games in the past. I was going to say, I see him a little bit more like a clock or a Liverpool attacker than a... Yeah, workhorse midfielder. Yeah, like yesterday, like when he gets on the ball, it it seems to be like he's that type of player. But in the context of the game, we we still had really didn't have any control in the midfield. So he's got tools, but I still, to be fair, I do prefer Harvey Elliott. I, I don't think there'll be an ever situation where they're both in our same midfield. I just don't see how it works. I mean, if it does, it'd be brilliant because they put you know both players from the academy. Hey, I don't know if you can have both of them in it and have. Two attacking fullbacks. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just, I just don't see how they're both going to make it, and I think Elliot is better. He's more. He's just more agile, and he's got better decisions. Elliot's really good. Yeah, Elliot's brilliant player, fantastic player. Yeah, oh, I was actually really sad when he got um, injured because a lot of people were saying before, "Oh, well, Liverpool need to sign a midfielder. Liverpool need to sign Saul." I think Harvey Elliot. I'd rather have Harvey Elliot than Saul even this season if they were no, both fit. I'd rather have Milner than Saul. <laughs> That guy looks, he looks scarily bad. Like, but the thing is, Tuchel substituted him off and then he didn't play him in the next game and they asked him and he was like, oh, I got it wrong. I needed to, you know, let him warm up and get into it a little bit. Yeah, he brought a washed Loftus-Cheek on instead of him yesterday. No, respect Loftus-Cheek, brother. Loftus-Cheek is cold. <laughs> <laughs> he used to be. It reminds me of Ox, to be fair. They're both similar in terms of what happened. Their, their playing style and what happened to them. Yeah, yeah, I think Loftus Cheek's got a bit more though, because Tuchel's been playing him a little bit like a six recently, like in the Georgina role, which they look like two completely opposite players. But he's got really nice like passes through the lines and yeah. quite athletic, like he can burst past the guy. I really, I don't know, I really like him. I don't think he's got a long term future at Chelsea though. Well, unless um, 
someone drops out of there. Like if there's an injury or whatever, I think he'll get a chance. To, I think Tuchel likes him, but not enough to start him over anyone yet. Yeah. Going back to Jones, though, it's, it's games like City where it worries me having players like him because when we would beat you in the past, it would be, for example, we would have an Ox. Someone of that sort of... Um, that, you know the, the dynamism that he has, the way he the way he would play, or even Henderson when he had a bit more in his legs because he has I think he has declined a bit physically. Henderson, like basically, why don't we try and beat you at your own game? I don't think we will win, and by that I mean lining up with a midfield that's slow and tries to be like holding the ball. Yeah, like Jones is not to slate the guy. He's currently a poor man's City type midfielder. Like he's the type of players you would have, but not at that level. But if we, I think he's more like a. Does, well, I don't. I don't know if this is fair comparison, but I think he's more sort of in the style of Coutinho a little bit. Not obviously not the same quality, but that third midfielder who's the most advanced one, and he likes shooting and he likes creating a little bit. But he's more like a inverted winger playing as yeah. an advanced eight. He is a bit like that, but in terms of his defensive ability, pressing. I just oh yeah, just, I think Pep would want him to play because he'd feel like okay, this is a bit like more what we've got. They're trying to play us, you know, at our own game, but we don't have the thing is we don't actually have an alternative, really. And, and this is what I've been saying about our midfield. I don't understand. Like I think it was Squeeze on Twitter was saying yesterday, maybe someone else. Our, our midfield is actually really slow. Like when we <laughs> used to be like you know it's all like Brexit midfield, PMP, yeah, all that nonsense like. <laughs> It's like, I don't understand how we've allowed this to happen. Our midfield is genuinely really slow. I mean, I mean of- well, this is what I was going to say. Um, Wijnaldum was declining last season, and then he left this season. And then Henderson's declined this season in terms of his physicality. I, d- I don't know if it's like a mental thing where he doesn't want to get injured again or if it's like a genuine physical thing. But with them two, they were, I think they were just like lightning quick and really aggressive in midfield. With them, And then same with Ox as well. With them three out... You have Keita and Thiago, who they can do it. Like they're really active presses at times, but their injury record is atrocious. Yeah, and the thing is, with and then you have Fabinho. Fabinho's good though. Fabinho's the reliable one in there. Yeah, he is hundred percent. He's he's literally holding it together. The thing is with Keita, though, less so Thiago, but Keita, he has a brilliant pressing record, and his ball, yeah. actual winning of the ball is really good in terms of like when he steps into the opposition's final third. And engages. He's actually quite good at reading it and winning it. Well, he knows when to jump. I think Thiago does it, and he sometimes is a bit off, and he has to foul, which is terrible yeah. for like Liverpool to retain pressure. If you get behind Keita, you, you're gone basically. Like, it, his transition defending is atrocious, and his tracking of runs is atrocious. Like, if Keita was playing and Gundogan was on the pitch, I would pretty much. Be- he would run off Cater. If he did score a goal, it would be running off Cater. And that's not it's not really Cater's fault. Like I don't think he's he's got the legs he he had before we bought him, to be honest. I think if, if we thought that this was the player we were buying, I don't think we would have bought him. I th- I, th- I actually think that's undeniable. There's no way anybody can say he looks like a clock midfielder. He fits in well, especially knowing his injury record and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Like a clock midfielder to me is somebody who's automatically, as you step on the pitch, you know they're going to win the fifty-fifty battle. You know they're physically the best. They're not going to. No one's going to get past them on the transition. They're going to be able to run end to end and have some technical ability. I just. Silver would be the perfect clock midfielder, man. Yeah, 
To be fair. <laughs> yeah, to be fair. But Harvey Elliott, I think Harvey Elliott's kind of in that mold, though. Yeah, yeah, to be, yeah, but I wouldn't want two of them in the same midfield. Well, yeah, you want like Fabinho at six, and then you want like a Wijnaldum Henderson, and then you want like a, if you want to have fun, have like a Curtis Harvey Elliott, Bernardo Silva kind of. Yeah, I just like I just okay. the profile of midfield of having a Fabinho who just stays in his position, sort of reads the game, and then you have someone like a bit like a Basuma. Yeah, license to go around pressing and winning the ball, and then you have a Harvey Elliott. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, literally that. That's I think that's the balance midfield. I think even City we have a similar thing: Rodri, Gundogan, and then we have like Bernardo or KDB on the other side. Yeah, exactly. I just I think we la- we do lack that second midfielder who can go around and win the ball, just break. Especially as you say, like you were talking earlier about our, you know our attacking fallbacks. I mean, it is. Well, yeah. It's no, it's no surprise really that you concede three goals to Brentford when you're playing attacking fullbacks and your left centre mid, for example, is Curtis Jones. And Henderson can't get back either. Yeah, you only have your two centre backs and Fabinho. Yeah, so how are you stopping that cross coming in from Robertson's side if it's now Curtis Jones who realistically wants to be on the left wing cutting in, shooting, or playing a through? Yeah. Like this is the game. It, it was Genie's game. It's Milner's, even Milner's game. So I don't the way I've seen, sorry, the way I've seen Liverpool this whole time is basically they have their two centre backs and then Fabinho, and then everyone says, oh, they don't have a midfield, create a midfield three. Their midfield three in terms of role has been Trent, Firmino, and Robertson because they're the three that are in charge of creating, and then the midfield three, uh, sorry, the midfield two. Uh, Henderson and Wijnaldum, they do the roles of the fullback in terms of covering transition. So it's basically teams normally attack with their fullbacks. Um, sorry, they defend with their fullbacks and attack with their eights. Yeah. Klopp's just on the reverse. He attacks with his fullbacks and then defends with his eights. But now that you have different profiles in there, Henderson's losing his legs, Wijnaldum's left. If you have these creative eights and you have these attacking fullbacks, there's so much space uh, in behind. And it, you know what I mean? This is why, even though if you I rate some of the aspects of his game, in our midfield, Jones, I just don't see how you can be defensively resolute with a complete opposite profile of player, of the player whose main job, Genie, was defending the left space. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I don't, it's, not like, it's not even like our full-backs have changed their game to compensate. They're playing the same way, but we're just saying to Jones, oh, by the way, can you defend like Genie used to? <laughs> oh, okay. I can't. Yeah, that's on. <laughs> so we concede three. Is it really a surprise? I'm not too sure. This yeah, is- the thing is, I don't think it's Jones, but the dynamics in general leave you a bit more open to giving uh, other players the chance to win the second ball and then create the attacks that might need to a goal at the back post, for example. Yeah, exactly. And this is even why Thiago makes loads of fouls because at Bayern, you're playing him in the pivot. He's in the centre of the pitch. He doesn't have to leave a sort of a zone that much. You know, he's just, he doesn't have to be dragged out. Whereas now, he's like, he's playing left centre mid or right centre mid. And his job is literally, he's, he's, up, he's dealing with wingers, basically. And they're going to knock the ball past him, howling them. And it, I mean, it happens quite a lot. Although, to be fair, he has got better at that. Yeah, last season it was awful. But this season, at the end of last season, it got much better. It did, and even this season, like like Leeds the other week, the last, I think that was the last time he played in the league. Oh yeah, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I didn't watch that game, but apparently he was, yeah, he was class in that game. 
Like him, him and Fabinho together are an amazing duo. And they've won like 10 in a row. And we actually play really good football. Like the one thing I say about this current team is the hoofball shouts have gone, like the channel ball. But low key, that was so effective. I think playing with this, like cr- these creative guys in the middle, it looks nice, but you know, I don't, I don't want to advocate for hoofball, but you know, that might've been peak Liverpool. It was it was effective in certain games. In other games, we would win the game, but it wouldn't be because we were playing hoofball. It would be in spite. It would just be like Salah. Like it would be a penalty or like or like a set piece. Like that's why people were saying in eighteen nineteen that we were getting lucky every week because basically what they meant was we weren't creating chances ourselves. It was like it was a game of tennis, but we would get a corner, it would go in. It was a, it was yeah, we low quality chances, but your the, the individual players that you had would convert those low quality chances because they were. Yeah. Salah, Mane, you know what I mean? I think that's the main the, the main the pro. To, like Obviously, we were just saying the downsides of our current midfield. I think the main pro is we do play better football on the ground. Like I, I can't remember the last time team, our fans were saying we played hoofball. Like If this Brentford game had been a draw a couple of years ago, it would have been a game where we were just launching it and, we, and we'd be saying we can't break down the deep block, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that's an issue anymore. Do you think the issue now yeah. would be... Defending transitions, defending the crosses coming in. It's all about balance, though, isn't it? Like, if you if you're better at creating, it's most likely because you're committing more people forward. But then that also exposes you in defense. So it's like Tuchel is focusing on defending the defensive transition and countering himself. So he's on the complete opposite side of yeah. let's say how Klopp's doing his thing now. Um, where obviously they're conceding more, but they're scoring far more freely than Chelsea would. Yeah. So it's about getting the balance. I think it's I think similar to City in a way, Klopp, I think having Matip, Kanate, and Gomez and Van Dijk in the team, well, in well back, but obviously not back for Kanate because we just signed him. I think he I think Klopp does trust individuals, like Pep trusts the players he's got. I think last season, you know, it was a bit of a throw-off season because whatever plans Klopp had were out the window because we had to just yeah. draw that Phillips and Williams were talented, basically. I think I th- like if you okay take Brentford aside. We'd only conceded one goal all season, and it w- and it was from a corner. So I think individual quality with Alisson, Van Dijk, uh, Gomez, or Matip, and then Fabinho, and then one of um, you know Henderson or Kater Jones, Thiago, whoever. If you have four guys back, you can still manage because the quality of those four guys is so high. You don't need them um, five. I think that'll be the trade-off this season. I think in terms of like, you know, to bring out the XG, I think we'll concede more XG. I mean, Alisson's already made like eight one-on-one saves or something. He's a freak. I think, exactly. But we shouldn't be making him like have to save that many in the first place. But anyway, I think we'll concede more bigger chances than we did when we won the league and even 18-19. But I think per game, we'll create more. And to be honest with you, after last season's just draining season, I'll take a season of exciting football. Yeah, that's honestly, I think that's fair. Especially, um, you'll win you win most of your games as well. So if you're playing exciting football, given that there's no real injuries, you know, Liverpool will be right right near the top, I think. Yeah, no, I agree, 100%. All right, uh, before we wrap this up, score predictions, my friend. Score predictions. I know we spent like half the podcast saying we can't predict it and it's so close. You know when people say score predictions, the first thing you do in your head is... How can I justify saying that we're going to win? 
what the score prediction is, isn't it? Really? You're Basically, if, if your team's in there. Yeah, like the, when you asked me that, the first thing I was thinking was like, mm, if we do this, maybe 2 1. I'm not actually going to be 2 1. It's just this is, that's what I wanted to be, and that's how I'm going to say it realistically. It's a realistic uh, but optimistic like shout. I think this current Liverpool team will, I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. Even if even if we scored two goals, we will just. We don't have striker though. We don't have a real striker. Yeah, no, but I think that I think you'll score a goal because of that. Like VVD and Matip, as much as yeah, Loki is kind of sick. As much yeah, as much as like VVD and Matip are, are brilliant, I think they're the type of defenders that will concede a goal where it's just like some midfielder just sneaks behind them and then and in, yeah. it, where did that come from? Right back to kick off. I think it could. I think I'm going to go two one to Liverpool. I think we might go two nil up, and then I think you'll score a goal when you have to come on to us, and we might switch off. I don't know, but I mean, I'm not going to be go. Yeah. I'm just going to say two one. All right. What, what do I? So we play use after we play Chelsea, and then we play PSG midweek, which is not and all all of the games are away. I think whoever it is in left eight, Gundogan or Foden, I think they have a chance to exploit that that zone that's been. Exploited, especially with um, Grealish drawing Trent out. I think Grealish might have Trent. Well, I don't know how people see his game against Liverpool when he played for Aston Villa in the seven-two, but he was pretty good in it. So yeah, he especially was. I think he can draw out Trent, and then in that gap, Foden or Gundogan can can thrive a little bit. What he was really good at in that game was what happens with Liverpool a lot with our high line is like it happened with Bamford the other week. The striker will quite often make actually make really good runs, and they would they're actually in on goal, but the other players them just don't time it well enough by this like by the split second necessary. And Allison's running out at the same time as well. Yeah, like Grealish must have timed that ball to Watkins like three or four times in the first twenty five minutes, and that's that was the high line exposed to the tee. But the only thing I think you might you have to play runners with Grealish. I think. Yeah, so- I'm hoping we play Sterling centre forward. Yeah, your boy's got to play. Sterling has to play. If you go with like a false nine and Mares and Grealish, we can just we could park the high line on the halfway line. Yeah, we could play Foden. I think Foden's a runner as well, but he he will get like I don't know Van Dijk on his back. I don't think Foden has the strength. He oh, he's very very strong, but yeah, I think Sterling has shown that he can you know manage with Van Dijk on his back. So. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, Grealish did that, didn't he? Did Aspi on the weekend. Well, yeah, but Aspi, he was, I think he was just trying to like, you know, when you try to rattle the opponent and be like physically and like mentally dominant. Basically tried to stand over him, didn't he? Like, and have Grealish looking up at him, sort of like, oh, he's a bit intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the caveman psychology. Yeah. Um, but nah, so in my prediction, I'm going to go with, you know, I, I, it's my podcast, bro. I can just actually, I'm going to go 3 1 C. Yeah. It's fair. I mean, I can't. I can't say that's not going to happen. Like, it's just it, it could. If you win comfortably, I would have you favourites easily. If we win comfortably, I I'd actually to be as unbiased as possible. I I I wouldn't have us as favourites as if you batted us. And the reason I'd say that is because I would squad depth's not good enough. We could win this. Say we won this game four nil, right? And the week yeah. after, Salah picks up an injury. That game doesn't matter anymore. Well, if Salah gets an injury, it's finished. Yeah, or even not even Salah, just a couple of midfielders. Whereas with you, you're good enough so that if you did batter us and you did lose a couple of players, you're still that team. 
if we batter you and we lose a couple of players, we're not that team. So it's irrelevant. But it's still an important game. And this is this is I won't be able to say we're gonna win it like up until if we are in at the top of the league, it's gonna take a while for me to say we're gonna win it because it's I'm still scarred from last season. Like <laughs> we were top for Christmas last season and we beat Spurs at home. Even when Van Dyke went out, you were top for a while. Yeah, like you can't even imagine how convinced I was we were gonna win it at Christmas last season, right? So you play Spurs at home and there's people saying it's the title decider, blah blah blah. We win that Nonsense. game. Spurs were never in that. Uh, they didn't see the signs. Exactly. But at the time, right, so we win the game. And you're like, okay, right, we've won that. Three days later, Palace away. Oh, it could be tough. You know, we've just, we've got, might have to run yeah. it because it's only been three days since a big game. We won in the last minute. And you win that game away 7-0. Yeah, that's Like, nice. oh my God, this title's done. <laughs> Absolutely piss it again. Well, people weren't even talking about City. I think I tweeted, I think City are still going to win. I was getting cooked. People were like, you're deluded. City in 2020-21. In your defence, you did have a lot of games in hand, didn't you? Yeah, I think we had two games in hand and people were coming. People were still coming back. Like We were getting our rhythm, but the thing is, we were defending well and we were creating chances. We just couldn't put them away. And then when that started happening, I think Sterling came back. Gundogan turned into like... He was Lampard. <laughs> Respect Gundogan, brother. <laughs> He, like that was the style of play he was. He was. Oh yeah, he's. I think he scored a goal a game for like thirteen games or something, twelve games. But January's huge for us, I have to say, because either we're top of the league and we could throw it away with an injury, and that, and January would be responsible for that if we do nothing, or yeah. we're in the race. We don't buy somebody and we fall away. So either way, we have to do something in January. Otherwise, we're just playing with fire, and we've done that. It's hard to buy someone in January, though. It is, but I think there's players that we could get. Like for example, Adi Amy. Like Salzburg tend to sell if they drop out of the Champions League group stages. So someone like that, because I do think, I mean, if Salah and Mane aren't playing in Afcon, I mean, we could easily that those two. I think people are saying. I think it is true that they could only miss two games. They might only miss two games. Yeah. But I mean, in the race, the races that we've had with City, those two games are enough to lose the title. Well, yeah, if, imagine you lose those games or they pick up an injury or they're travelling, they lose some form. There's a lot of like... COVID is... The thing with title races... Uh, COVID as well, yeah. But with title races, it's so dependent on external things. It's not always just the best team, the best 11 over 38 games. It's injuries, travelling, uh, mood, uh, momentum, uh, fans. There's so much like a red card or a VAR thing. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. This is why it's so difficult for me to talk about Liverpool in the title race because... I was first eleven. It's just so good when it plays well. Even when it doesn't play well, it usually grinds out a win. But like, yeah, a couple of players, and it's just there's no other team in Europe which is like that. Where you know you can say Liverpool are one of the best teams in the world on their day with the first eleven, and there's there's no other team where you take out one or two players and it's now you, you're battling with like the Spurs and sick. Like it's, it's, the thing is, I I still think your depth is good in terms of like numbers. It's just the numbers. Yeah, that's what top oh, really injury prone and stuff. Like top reds do that. Like, they're bringing out the numbers and they're like. You know, oh well, no, I don't. I'm not talking about the chart. You know that chart that's going around and people are crossing every name off now. Yeah, the witch doctor Dan Kennett, like Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean that, but I just mean like He's if you have, bro. That's like the uh, you remember the tweet like I hope we sign Thiago and win for call or whatever. <laughs> It's basically that. But the thing is, I, I still think you have like a good replacement in each position. It's just that a lot of the times, more than one or two of them will be out at the same time, which is yeah, you exactly. know, really I, To annoying. be fair, right, I probably have overreacted in terms of 
what injuries would do to us because of last season. Like last season was a freak. But well, yeah, because every centre back went out, and you were still top four. Yeah, and like, I mean, even like last week, like Origi against Milan. Like, I I do have to say these players aren't as bad as I say they are on Twitter. Like, it's just it, <laughs> it's the idea of them having to be our main player for like a month or two, which scares me. Yeah, more that more so than like. I'm not saying Origi can't come into one game and score a goal because he can't. He's done it loads of time. But we've never ever had to have Origi playing for eight weeks in a row because then we would be screwed. So yeah, oh. yeah, I hear you. To be honest, whereas with you, I think it's like for you, your issues are smaller than most people. I think it's like I can't even say you don't have enough goals in the team because you do. Like I don't know where they come from. I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes, like we generally we play with no striker. We, we, Ferran has goals, but he's and I, and I like when Ferran plays because he's good in the box. I really like when Sterling plays striker, but he's not being given enough minutes. And the thing is, we have so many creators, um, and we dominate games so well that we will get chances. Yeah, your position, like Pep's positioning of players, is obviously he's probably probably the best ever, to be honest. Well, yeah. So our players can be worse, uh, but we'll still get good chances because of the coaching. Yeah, exactly. Like the positions you take up, like like this is why you obviously be in the race till the end because against teams that which aren't as good as you, which is basically every team bar on their day Liverpool, like yeah. just out xG them basically, and that would be enough. Yeah. This is the one thing that I think might give us an advantage in this game. Hopefully, I say it's a tight game, and by that I mean both teams. Well, more from a Liverpool perspective, we don't. Yeah. Easy oh, I don't hope it's chances. <laughs> if it, if it's a game, put it this way: if it's a game of few chances, I'd fancy Liverpool because yeah, I agree. But even Jota, you know what? Even Mane. If we get two, if we got two or three chances each, I'd fancy our forwards. It's really interesting. I don't know how the game's going to pan out. I hope City win. Obviously, it might be a close game. We never know um, with how these games go. Um, but you know, I, I think we both agree that. City and Liverpool are going to be there um, at the top of the league for the title race as long as there's no big injuries or external factors. Yeah, put that in caps lock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the big disclaimer. Um, I just want to say thank you for joining me on the first um, podcast. Yeah, no, it's been great, mate. You're the first person I've been in a while, so, but that, that's just like, you know, if I had a SoundCloud to drop, I would. So You know, you need to make a SoundCloud and we'll get you back for episode two to promote it. Yeah, I might have to do it. I'll have to get on a quick <laughs> podcast as well, if you'll have me. Do you know what I mean? Hope he listens. He probably will. He's a lovely guy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's done a Liverpool one yet. So we'll see. No, I think he I think he um doesn't associate with <laughs> such a passionate fan base. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh Sean, thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Um we might get you back on uh, you know, another time. Maybe maybe if there's a real title race and it's the end of the season, we'll see what is saying well thank you so much it's been a uh, it's been really nice no it's great i'll be happy to come back on at some point if you beat us on the weekend it might need a few months yeah to recover See you, mate. thank you <laughs>